And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you for joining me this morning. Today is Monday, June the 7th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 7, 1942, the Battle of Midway, <clears throat> it ended in a decisive victory for American naval forces over Imperial Japan. That was a turning point in the Pacific War. Yesterday in 1944, D-Day was launched. More on that in just a moment. Today in 1712, Pennsylvania's Colonial Assembly, they voted to ban the future importation of slaves. 1712. Today in 1776, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia offered a resolution to the Continental Congress stating, quote, that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. Today in 1929, the sovereign state of Vatican City became official. They worked out a deal with Italy, Rome. Today in 1981, Israeli military planes destroyed a nuclear power plant in Iraq, a facility the Israelis said could have been used to make nuclear weapons. Today in 1993, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that religious groups could sometimes, and that's their word, sometimes, meet on school property after hours. When you look at a ruling like that, it, through the lens of how America was formed and what our founding fathers said and did and wrote and laid their lives and fortunes on the line for, now we have a Supreme Court. Oh, it's been a few years ago. It's worse now than it was then. In 1993, suggesting that religious groups can sometimes meet on school property after hours. That's the problem in America. They have delegated and relegated Christianity to sometimes after hours. That bothers me, and I hope it bothers you as well. I think it does. One year ago today, Mayor, uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she lifted the city's curfew the city reopened. This is Associated Press this morning. They're saying one year ago today, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot lifted the city's curfew and the city reopened downtown train stations following days of protests that largely remained peaceful. <laughs> no, that's the Associated Press. Mostly peaceful? It's never been peaceful in Chicago. This past weekend, through last night, through midnight last night, just that many hours ago, 55 people were shot in Chicago. Five of them died. That's not unusual. Every weekend, ABC7 and other news organizations are reporting how many people were shot in Chicago. Every weekend, it's between, I just note it because I do a lot of research, between 25 and 50 are shot every weekend in Chicago. Last night, or this past weekend, 55 were shot, 5 died. 1,418 uh, 1, so far this year. That's what so-called progressive leadership gives you. One of them was an 11-year-old girl riding in the back seat of her car yesterday afternoon. Somebody randomly shot the car and killed her. Didn't even know. I mean, there was it was just random. Random violence. Portland is not much better. 
those listening to this program were newly on the air in Portland and Southwest Washington. You know that's true. These are fearful times. Thing, people are doing things just out of, it, it's just a, it's a spirit. It's an evil spirit that has just blanketed parts of this country and people's minds. There's a darkness. There's a violence. Like the case of this little girl, 11 years old, just riding along in, with her family in the car. Randomly, the car is shot and she's killed. 11 years old. The Lord, however is my light and my salvation. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. In what will we be confident? Joe Biden? <laughs> I don't think so. Donald Trump? No. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord saves me, has saved me, and will save me from the perils of these times. And he is my light. He will help me to understand those times. And he will help me to know there is no reason to be afraid, to be seized by fear at what we see going on around us. So don't become the victim of fear. That's what Satan would have you do. But God would have you to not be afraid because he is the light and the salvation of all of us. Recently, I've been talking a little bit about how Christian colleges are caving in to the pressure from the homosexual agenda, the LGBTQ people, they're highly organized, in many cases, highly funded. Talked about a number of schools, one in particular I've mentioned a couple of times because of our family association there in the past, and the fact that I was once on staff there, but our oldest daughter graduated from SPU. But I've talked about Seattle Pacific. I got this letter over the weekend. If I told you who this was from, and if you're listening, no, I'm not going to mention your name or anything like that. But if I told you who this was from, you would know her, a woman. You would know her name. Uh, most all of you listening would, but I'm not going to do that. But it says, hi, Gary. Love your radio show. You are right on. I like that. Wanted to mention a couple of things. I graduated from SPU in 1979 was attending Seattle Pacific at the time of the name change from SPC to SPU. I remember that well. There was a group of us that wanted to keep SPC in the new university name and called the, and called the school SPCU for Seattle Pacific Christian University. But they, they in quotes, wouldn't hear of it. It's pretty disgusting about all these LGBTQ rights, but as Christians, we are to love everyone and hate the sin. Totally agree with that. I don't regularly shop, this person, this woman continues, at stores I don't agree with their policies. But yesterday I needed something, stopped by Target. I was shocked to walk into the store and the entire front was in the rainbow colors promoting the LGBTQ community. 
made me sick to my stomach. I thought if Christians could band together, as the LGBTQ has done, we could take over the world. But so many churches are fighting amongst themselves about how to believe, what to believe, all the rituals. It seems like us Christians will not succeed. As I tell people, there are only three things you need to believe. One, Christ was born. Two, Christ died on the cross. And three, Christ rose on the third day. That's it. Thanks for reading this. Well, thank you for writing it. I read everything that we get from our listeners. And I want to thank all of you for what you say and what you believe. And I particularly want to thank you for your support. We need it. We ran behind a little this last month, several thousand dollars, in fact, and we need to catch that up. We uh, operate on a month-to-month basis, and if, we, if we're not funded, we pay our bills on time. And if we're not funded, we wouldn't be here. So I'm not fearful of that yet, and I'm not going to be fearful because whatever. Uh, the Lord is in control. But we do need to catch up a little bit. It's not like hundreds of thousands of dollars, but a few few dollars we need to catch up, a few thousand dollars we need to catch up and, and maintain our budget each month. So I, I know you all understand that. You have a personal budget, whatever it may be, whether it's pennies or you know millions of dollars, whatever it is, uh, you understand that. So if you can help us with that, thank you so much. And thank you for your regular support each month. We need that. I'd like to be hearing from more of you in Portland, where we've recently gone just a few weeks on KPDQ there and Southwest Washington. We need to hear from you. Our bill comes every month on time. They're very good at billing us. And so uh, we need to meet that budget. So thank you for considering it. Pray about it and see what the Lord would would speak to your heart to do in regards to supporting this ministry. We are reaching a growing, exponentially growing number of people <clears throat> that's uh, that's becoming pretty clear uh, from a number of different uh, ways that we can measure our listenership so thank you for your support thanks for your kind words and thank you for those that aren't so kind it's okay you can believe what you want to believe I don't agree with some of you but um, and I understand you would prefer that I am silenced not speaking I get that but uh, we're here today and we're speaking in spite of how you feel about it. So anyway, at least you're listening. And if you just be quiet for a little while and listen to what we're saying, maybe God would reveal some truth to you as well. So thank you to all of you to respond, even those who don't like me or don't like what I'm saying. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. Be sure it's .us, faithandfreedom.us. A lot of faith and freedoms out there nowadays. And um, you'll be on our website. You can There's a tab there that says donate. You, you can do it. Just click the tab and follow the prompts. But thank you so much. I appreciate it. Dr. Fauci, <laughs> he's made an interesting comment over the weekend. He said, <laughs> he said a Attacking me is attacking science. That was on Friday. Attacking me is attacking science. Wow. I would say that man is full of confidence. Attacking me is attacking science. 
on Friday's broadcast on MSNBC's Rachel Maydow show. That's NBC's far left news channel. Dr. Fauci said the attacks on him, she, he said, are really just an attack on science. He was trying to feed the lie that the Christians and conservatives that believe in conservatism and biblical Christianity don't believe in science. Now, he's not the first one to say that. Many have said that. Nancy Pelosi said one of the problems that she faces as Speaker of the House is evangelicals because they don't believe in science. She said that within the past few months. The attacks are really not attacks. Rather, it's the public reading Dr. Fauci's emails over the past few years. And that came out this last week, and he's pretty sensitive to that. He's not liking this intrusion in his stardom. I am science. And there are now people saying, no, you're not. You're not even telling the truth, Dr. Fauci, because we've just read your emails, all 3,000 of them, that were made public. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. I think Fauci and others on the left have come to believe their own press releases. And I want to leave some thoughts with you today about conservatism, Christianity, and science. But first, I'd like to mention that yesterday, the West, the Western culture of the world at least, remembered D-Day. D-Day, it was a very important day. But our president, Joe Biden, as far as I could see, didn't bother to mention it. Maybe he did, but it escaped me and it escaped some others that also commented on the fact that he didn't even mention it. Breitbart News said President Joe Biden tweeted a video Sunday, yesterday, as about his meeting with survivors of the Tulsa race massacre. But he didn't even mention June 6th was the anniversary of D-Day, the U.S.-led invasion of Normandy in the Second World War. They said Biden, who appeared to confuse D-Day with Pearl Harbor Day last year, and he did when he was campaigning on the trail. I, I remember that. He tweeted yesterday, I met with survivors at the Tulsa massacre this week to help fill the silence, because in silence, wounds deepen. And as painful as it is, only in remembrance, do wounds heal? Well, that was a horrible event in Tulsa. But World War II is a pretty horrible event either. We were fighting for our lives, we and our allies in the West. The Nazis and the Japanese were out to destroy us. We wouldn't be having this conversation today had they won. I can tell you that. and We probably wouldn't be speaking English. Those of us who still do. D-Day was, yesterday was the 77th anniversary. After years of preparation and practice and training, the Allies had come to break the German power in, in Europe. Newt Gingrich wrote about that. He didn't forget. He said it was the greatest gamble in World War II. On June 6, 1941, more than 156,000 Allied forces launched from the sea onto the beaches of Normandy. Nearly 7,000 Allied ships commanded the French coastline and more than 3,200 aircraft dominated the skies. A few miles inland, 23,000 paratroopers landed to block the German reinforcements from the shore. On D-Day, 4,414 Allied troops lost their lives just on a single day. 2,501 of them were Americans. 
More than 5,000 were wounded. On the German side, they didn't know for sure how many were killed, but many, several thousand, were killed or wounded. It was a horrible day on the planet. But it was a day that had to happen because otherwise Western civilization, based on Christianity, at least the principles of Christianity, would have been lost. In his article, Gingrich affirmed the spirit of defending freedom. The Associated Press wrote an article. They focused on the fact that there weren't very many people on Normandy on the beach on that day, on D-Day. Well, I suppose they would be seeing things from the same point of view that Joe Biden would be seeing things. The French defense minister, though, Florence Parley, said of June 6, 1941, this is a quote from Defense Minister Parley, in the heart of the mist that enveloped the Normandy coast was a lightning bolt of freedom. France does not forget. France is forever grateful. Well, they should be, but they are. And that's important. General Dwight D. Eisenhower, his message to the Allied forces made clear the moral implications of D-Day. I'd like to read just a just a part of it. I don't have nearly as much time today as I wish I had, but let me let me just share a little bit of this. He said, just before they, this was launched, greatest military act in, in the history of the world. He said, soldiers, sailors, this Dwight D. Eisenhower, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, soldiers, sailors, airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hope and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arm on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task is not an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940 and 41, Eisenhower said. He said more, but he concluded with this. He said, the tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together in victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill to battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck. And let us beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was in the White House at the time, he is often touted as the most progressive president in history. Joe Biden is competing for that. I mean, he says he is. So let's take him at his word on that. But Franklin Delano Roosevelt, one of the most progressive, if not the most progressive of all time, he made he made the moral commitment. He found it within himself. Not our leaders today. They can't even find it within themselves to recognize the day. But he found it within himself to make a moral commitment of liberating Europe very clear in his radio address that evening when he asked the American people to join him in prayer. This is FDR. He said, my fellow Americans, last night when I spoke to you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another great operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. 
And so in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. And he began his prayer. And again, I don't have time to read it all. It's a rather lengthy prayer. But he began with Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation. The sons, our sons were the pride of our nation. Now, the sexual activity of a minority is the pride of our nation. He said, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true, O God. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard, for the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed. But we will return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by thy righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. And he continues in that vein, a long, long, lengthy prayer. And he concludes, with thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogancies. Lead us to saving of our country. And he concludes, Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen. Can you hear that coming from one of our leaders today? Especially one of a, a peer of FDR, who's trying to become, he's cognitively impaired, but he's trying to become the most progressive president in the history of the nation. He should look at the most, his, the most progressive president and heed his words, but he didn't. He didn't even remember that this was that day. Back to Fauci and the great lies of our time. I would say to Dr. Fauci, he didn't listen to me, of course, and I probably will never speak to him, but I would say to him, if I had the opportunity, Dr. Fauci, I respect your career and all that you've done and so on, but I want you to know that the pushback that you're feeling today, although it's uncommon for you. You've had a pretty good ride so far. It isn't really about you. It's about the fact that you've misled the American people. And it's certainly not about science because science has been advanced more by the Christian church than any secularist organization in history. And I can prove it. And I would if I had the time. There's an old saying in Hollywood where I was once served as a youth pastor and an associate pastor in a large church there. I've talked about that a little bit on this program. Some of you listening, you know that. In fact, some of you listening were in that church. But there was an old saying around Hollywood, and it was, when you begin believing your own press releases, you're finished. I think Dr. Fauci Based on what he was saying on the Rachel Maddow show, I think he started believing his own press releases, and he probably could because there's been a lot of press and it's all been favorable. Everything. Trump is the only guy that started questioning him in the beginning, saying, well, wait a minute now. Things just didn't add up. It just didn't come together. And then all of a sudden, Fauci's feeling this pushback now, and it's not really about him. It's really about the 3,234 emails that he wrote over the last year or so. He's been saying one thing to the public and quite something quite different 
behind the scenes. I mean, really, he has. And now an organization filed this Freedom of Information Act, a FOIA request, and they got a hold of all these emails and published them. They're out there. In fact, I wrote an article specifically on this today at faithandfreedom.us, and I put a link to all 3,234 emails. If you don't have anything to do today, you can go there and read all of it. It's there. It'll take you a while, but I just put it there in case somebody had that kind of time on their hands. Spencer Brown at Town Hall, he notes that last week was not a great one for Dr. Fauci because of all this. And he wrote an article about it, and a lot of conservatives are writing articles about it today. We have found out that Dr. Fauci is really has been saying one thing to all of us as we struggle through this pandemic and policies have been coming from what he's been saying, but he's been saying other things behind the scenes, even about masks and wearing masks and all of that. On the one hand, he's telling everybody, wear a mask, wear a mask. Then we see pictures of him not wearing one. Then we read his emails. In one of his emails, he was telling somebody, I forget who it was, some organization or something, I mean, one of his colleagues, he said, America's public he said America publicly is buying all these face masks and they're really not going to do them much good. That's a quote. He apparently had be, begun believing his own press releases. And the press was committed to him. In Style magazine featured him on their cover. All of these are cover stories. The Good Doctor in the last year. Time magazine, Guardian of the Year. Time magazine again, the most one of the most 100 most influential people. People Magazine, People of the Year, Washington Magazine, Top Doctors, with Fauci on the cover of all of these, Plus Magazine, Scientist in Chief, Honorable Book Mention, that's a publication, How a Boy from Brooklyn Became America's Doctor, and on and on it goes. But I will tell you some books in the in the, the Genesis of Science. It's a British writer, James Hanneman. He wrote this book about how Christianity has influenced science over the years. I mentioned it in my article today, and there's a link to that and other links. So you, you might want to take a look at that. But he says to study the natural world is to study the creator. Christianity inspired Copernicus and uh, Tome, against the Ptolemaic universe. It drove Johannes Kepler to dis, discover the Constitution and the solar system, convinced James Maxwell he could reduce electromagnetism to a set of equations. He goes through all of this stuff. And so does uh, another guy over at the Discovery Institute, Stephen Meyer. He's a Ph.D. He goes through all of this and he talks about how that he said he says the reason Christianity has contributed so much to science is that nature is intelligible. There's an order and a design that can be understood and discerned by a scientist because nature is the product of a rational mind, namely the mind of God, and that the same mind or creator who made nature with that rational order built into what made us and our reason so that we can perceive and understand the reason that he built into nature. Meyer says there are a number of ways in which Christianity gave rise to modern science, and there are. There's a whole bunch of them. I list some of them in my article today. Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, Romans chapter 1, that God is evident in his creation, but in our futile thoughts and our foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise they became fools. We'll continue this conversation tomorrow. Thanks for being with me.